podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Chels. Who am I joined by today? It's Mr. Alan Bird, the chef extraordinaire, with a very new floppy sort of almost, oh, I don't know, how do you call it? It's sort of, you could be in style council, except for the beard. You could be but Mick Talbot. It could, be, it could be. I think it could be. Merton Mick, eh? Merton Mick. Mm. Hello, Alan. How are you? I'm good. Very well, thank you. You, you managed to get away from the griddle. I did indeed, yeah. Phew, thank God Great for to that. Be here. And okay, for all of those people who've been clamouring for Mr. Andy Saunders, he's only back in the house. I'm Hello, only, Andy. I'm only back. It's been all right last couple of weeks. I mean, it's been all right. It's been all right. But I'm back now. <laughs> so you're all right. Phew, thank God the Chelsea is saved. <laughs> uh, Phil has left the country because Andy's back, but he will return. Has he left the country? Yeah, he Where's has. Where's he gone? I, I can't tell you, it's top secret. Okay. South of Vietnam. Well, well, it's Vietnam, but in the South. <laughs> so, so that's where he's gone. Um, Fu Kwok, um, that's where he's gone. Right, okay. Don't even go there. <laughs> so here we are. Well, I know that we kind of... Well, actually, last week, Phil, I think, predicted draws all the way, verging on losses. So he was kind he's of a bit close, right. And he? I was predicting three nils, five nils. I did actually predict a hat-trick for Dave... Right. So when he scored that first goal so when against West Brom... he scored one Brom, goal, you were still incredibly wrong. I, no, but I was incredibly right for quite a period of time. Right. Um, 20 minutes or something. <laughs> you know. Okay, so it's it's slip went in the bin. <laughs> it's it's yeah. tenuous. Luckily, I don't bother with that nonsense. Life's a Wise gamble. Man. Wise man. But, uh, yeah, do you know I'm, who... Um, and because obviously he scored against West Brom. Do you know who his previous goal was against? West Brom. West Brom. There you go. There you go. So, you know, it was a pretty safe bet, actually, when I looked at it. I didn't know that before I had my moment of prophecy. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, OK, let, let's go back to West Brom. Um, Should we look at the team? Well, well, I just want to say, just before, before that, I remember after the Cup game against Scunthorpe, and I was chatting to you the day after, saying, well, you know, it's a sentence I've used a lot this season. I think we've turned the corner, and you just went... Get real. We haven't turned the corner. There's a lot of work to be done. Mm. And so it proved to be. So, yeah, let's go through the team for West Brom. Well, there were three changes to the side that beat Scunthorpe in that FA Cup game. Out went Begovic, Cahill and Ramirez. In came Courtois, Terry and Mikel. So it was Courtois, Ivanovic, Zuma, Terry, Aspi, Laqueta, Mikel and Fabregas, uh, which was interesting, which was another attempt to try and get that, that holding midfield two right. And we'll come on and we'll talk about what happened in the, in the Everton game with, uh, obviously, Mikel and Matic. Mm. Um, and then reverting to So, Mikel you know, that's not quite right. And then uh, Willie and Oscar Pedro and Costa up front. And then, obviously, later in the game, Kennedy came on from Pedro at half-time, Matic for Fabregas. Um, and we had one sub left over. So that was the team. What did you think of the team when you saw I mean, it was pretty... Uh, not a huge amount to... 
No, I mean, you know, we have got a kind of team. It, it, it picks itself apart from, you know, whether it's Pedro or, or William or Oscar or Hazard. You know, it's always one of those that drops out, and it's usually, when everyone's fit, it's Pedro that drops mm. out. And then this, this position of this sort of defensive midfield pairing, but it isn't really defensive midfield half the time. And, you know, we now see that there is no doubt Mikel is the man for, for hitting. And, and for me, he hasn't Well, he was down. before. I think he was, he was a Mikel fan before. So it's yeah, no surprise, really. Uh, you know, the, the decline of Matic is worrying. I mean, because... I mean, I've got him on the back of my shirt. I love the guy. Nobody loves him more than me, but he's been shocking. Can I just and remind you, like... the last person you said that about is now at Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you love them, does something to them. Yeah, maybe it does. Uh, it's twisted. Yeah. But um, he's, his decline has been, he's been, uh, been worrying, really, because, I mean, there's no doubt he's a brilliant player, but he looked like he was blowing on Saturday. He doesn't look like he's getting to the ball. or I don't know whether it's just the partnership that he's got in there. Fabregas doesn't seem to work because he seems to have to do the work of Fabregas as well as his own. Mikel and, and, and Matic didn't work because they were getting in each other's way. It, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the best way to play him and why he was so good last year. Year, and why he seems to have fallen off a cliff this year? Well, I think maybe that could be a story for the whole team, though, couldn't it? Yeah, it could be. I mean, I, but uh, maybe things stem from that defence. You know, I mean, I, I think defensively, we've got a defence that just about picks itself, um, and the only change is when Gary Cahill comes in, or Zuma, or JT drops out, and yet. We've not defended very well. Well, shall I hit you with the first stat of the evening? Go on, then. Which is Chelsea. This is what we've been missing. <laughs> this is what we've been Chelsea missing. have dropped the, the joint most points from winning possessions uh, of any Premier League team this season. And all of them at the bridge. All of them at home. From winning positions. From winning positions, right. yeah. And that's the most, the joint most in, in the Premiership. So, yes, you're right. Something has gone wrong. We've become fragile at the mm. back, which was always our great strength. Great strength, yeah. yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I have to say, you know, that for me, um, Zuma... I think half the time doesn't play as well with JT as when he's with Cahill. And I don't know whether... I think he's slightly overawed by JT. Yeah, we were saying this. So yeah, yeah. I don't know how you feel about him. Because Zuma, I mean, if we're going through bits and pieces, we can mention the end of the game. Because, I mean, he completely lost it for the last seven or eight minutes. You know, he was yeah, slicing he kicks, headers going left, right and centre. He felt a bit. He did. He literally... Felt, I really didn't think there was. What, I think him. it started when he went to volley something and completely missed it. Yeah, and then after it. that, there were three or four incidents where he was falling over. And, yeah, and, and, and right by the touchline, he suddenly headed it into the top of the East stand and all sorts of stuff you know yeah. uh, I think that when he plays with John Terry he's so aware that John Terry is the senior player and so uh, aware of having to follow his lead he doesn't express himself in the same way so when he plays next to uh, Cahill, Cahill he's more relaxed, he's more relaxed he's and he plays nervous, more of his own game yeah. he takes more responsibility <laughs> yeah. And uh, the other thing we forget about Zuma, he's 19 years of age. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. You know, and actually, what a season to be fully blooded in when we're actually pretty rubbish at I the back. I think he's a huge talent. Absolutely. I still think he's a bit raw. I remember seeing him pre-season with you and thinking, who's this donkey? I mean, honestly, he was wearing the wrong boots. But then when he, you know, as he's, his improvement since then is, is marked. And I think that if you can do that again over the next couple of seasons, we've got an absolute gem. Yeah. I think he's a fantastic player. Well, I just think he needs to figure out his positioning sometimes yep. and his decision-making. But that's youth. That yeah. comes with experience. JT was... Similar when he was, you know, being bloodied and he had to learn those same sort of things. Well, he had to go along Desai, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, thankfully, you know, Zuma's doing it alongside our captain now. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's only going to learn from that. Even if it's a, it's a bad experience, he's only going to get better 
from experiencing that now and what a season to do it in. Yeah. Can we talk about the refereeing in that game? Well, in a minute. Shocking. Can we just finish off with the defence? I also think... I mean, OK, now let's go with the ref. Then, well, you can talk about defence. No, I, I, it's just that we're talking about it. Are you concerned at the way Courtois has these flaps? Because he's not commanding in the box in quite the same I've way. I've seen quite a lot of negativity about Courtois. Yeah. Um, I think Great he, shot stopper. I, no, I think he's fabulous. Again, he's very young. People forget how young he is. Yep. Um, this is a guy that's won La Liga in a league where dominated by two teams. You know, um, he's a guy that's reached the Champions League final. He's won the league with Chelsea. And he's still very, very young. Mm. Um, I mean, it, you know, people turn around and, and saying, oh, we should never have sold Czech. Czech's rubbish on crosses. Always has been. Always well, flaps at crosses. Absolutely. You know, but I think that Courtois, um, with the defence that he's playing behind at the moment, has been put under a huge amount of pressure. Man, he's saved us on Saturday. Absolutely. One on yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, you absolutely. Know, his positioning yeah. is brilliant. A couple yeah. of times he's punched the ball. But I think people are... The problem with Chelsea fans, I think, a lot of the time is they look... For faults. I mean, they just look for negativity. And I think, you know, when you've got young players, you know, half of, the, half of them are going, play the young players. And then when we play young players and they make Find mistakes, them, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. they cane them. Okay, my, my point about Courtois and going on about the cross, it was a slightly double-edged thought because it was going back to the defence. I don't think that his defenders are protecting themselves enough when those crosses are coming in. Normally, when a defensive team is, is playing well... You're blocking off the runs. You're keeping your goalkeeper protected. You look, everyone he's flapped at is because there's a man invariably under his nose. And, and we haven't got to sort out those sort of basic things. Well, I think what we're not doing is stopping crosses coming in. No, I mean, absolutely. James McLean for West Brom was running riot against yeah. Ivanovic. Oh. And I think, you know, Ivanovic is a player that's under huge scrutiny this season. You know, I, for one, am glad he's been offered another one-year contract because I think he's a great utility defender. You know, he can play at centre-back. He can play right yeah. across the back four. So, you know, for me, I think, he's going, I think he's going to transition into a squad player when we hopefully invest in a new full-back. Um, but I do think that the, one of the problems that Courtois is under pressure is so many crosses are coming into the box. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, I think that... And there's always someone on him. stopped earlier. Yeah. And, and Hiddink seems to want to push those fullbacks right up. You know, actually Mourinho, in, in the latter period of this particular spell of Mourinho, was holding the fullbacks back and we weren't getting players forward. Hiddink is making sure Ivanovic and Aspilicu... And, and so that requires cover and it requires Pedro on the right and it requires William uh, on, on the right and so Pedro on the left to, to cover and they're not doing a great job and crosses are coming in so of course the goalkeeper's going to be under pressure yeah. and I don't think you can put that at the, at, at the door of Courtois no, he's no, made no. a couple of mistakes but, he's not perfect but, but that's I still think he's, a, he's you know I think if, if there are the top three goalkeepers in the world they'd probably go Manuel Neuer David De Gea Courtois, Courtois. Yeah. I think they're the top Absolutely. three goalkeepers in the world so to have a go at him I mean I saw some idiot on Twitter going oh you Courtois fanboys you're going to regret it when Arsenal win the league it's no. like do me a favour yeah. do we, me a favour we were never look, going to hold look, on to Czech, Czech is doing very well yeah. and he's making you know points out of nothing for Arsenal that, that's true Personally, I wish we hadn't sold him to Arsenal. This is an Arsenal that had drawn their last two games, by the way. Um, you know what I mean? It's not as if they're, you know, runaway champions. Yeah, but the they would have lost at Stoke if it hadn't been for Czech. Maybe. He's a decent keeper. There's Maybe. no Absolutely. doubt about it. No, 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 we know he's a no decent doubt. keeper. Just that's not why? even an argument. No, you know? exactly. <laughs> you know, but he's gone and that's it. And yeah, exactly. I agree. I think, I, think Courtois, I think Courtois is an excellent keeper. And as you say, he's what, 23, 24? 
Yeah. He's, he's only young. So, if you know, we've got him for another 10 years. If, yeah, more probably. You know. So, you know, it's... Uh, well, we probably thought that about Czech when we bought him. And we only had him for the 10. We got... How old was he when, when he left this season? 31, 32? I don't know. Yeah. He was no. young enough that you'd think... You know, he but the point is, we had the club. opportunity. The reason that he left is we had the opportunity to have a goalkeeper that we could have for 10 to 15 years. Exactly. Yeah. No, um, no, no. And that keeper would not have stayed. Courtois would not have stayed. He no. would have demanded a transfer, and we no. would have lost him to Madrid, or we would have lost him to yeah. another Spanish club. Uh, and they made a very pragmatic decision, which was to bring in a keeper for the future. And it was the right decision. Totally. You know, Czech's got another two, three seasons. Good luck to him. He's been a brilliant servant. Yeah. He's a legend. He should have a statue. But yeah. he's gone. Yeah. So yeah. get over it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. So like Mourinho, he's gone. Yeah, you know, forget about it. How Move do you on. feel now about Mourinho? I'm sad. I'm still after. sad. I still think that you know, of all the managers we've had in the as mor- sad as you were about Bowie on Twitter, <laughs> I saw you crying <laughs> online. In effect, <laughs> for all those that don't know, Andy was quite tough on everyone who was broken and in pieces about Bowie dying, which, let me tell you, was a very sad thing. But you know, look, you, my point. My point. It's actually an interesting point now. Yeah. And what my point was being is. You know, whatever you're feeling, it's not grief. You know, grief is when somebody you know and love and close to you dies, when a parent dies or a child dies. That's grief. David Bowie dying, the great artist that he is, and I, and, I, and I say now, I'm a massive fan. You know, great artist that he is, it's a bit sad. It's not grief. And when Mourinho leaves, it's not grief. You're a bit sad and a bit nostalgic for what he's put. So all this kind of wailing and gnashing of teeth, grow up and get, out, get over it. It's not, it's not something to be over it because that makes it about you. And it's not about you and it's not about your ego. And I just find, it, I just find this kind of mawkish, you know, sort of navel-gazing irritating, whether it's about David Bowie or whether it's about Mourinho. He's gone, get over it, move on. So, Ziggy Saunders, I have, a, I have a question for you. How long did it take you to rehearse that on the train I think it downfront? just came to me. Nowhere's Phil. No, here's my question. Relegation, is yeah. that grief? Look, I, I, I think that... I, look, Tongue in it's, a, it's a definition of a word and a misappropriation of the I'm, word I'm, that, I, that, I'm, that I've got a problem with. The emotion, I've got no... You know, I'm not going to tell people what their emotions are. People are entitled to their emotions. If people get, you know, upset by things and... I mean, God, I mean, I, you know, I cried my eyes out when we won the Champions League. I mean, I'm one to talk. You know, it's like people's emotions are their emotions. You know, football, old, football supporting ultimately is a bit silly. You know, I yeah. mean, if you sat back and thought about it, it's a bit silly, but I still cried my eyes out. So I'm not going to tell other people how to... How how to, um, it's how kind to of different emote. because you are sharing that actual emotion yeah, at that time, you know, and you've got that mass hysteria of everyone around, and it's an incredible thing. So I think that's. Oh, I will different. say this: last time we got relegated, I loved that season in the second division. Loved it. I thought it was brilliant. You so know. okay, if we go down <laughs> this Andy's year, looking forward to relegation. If we go down this year, have you already picked your favourite stadiums? We're to not go going to? down this year because uh, you know I'm telling you now. That's dangerous talk. Aston you told Villa, me off. Aston Villa are gone. You know, Sunderland are pretty much gone. And then Permany, two from three. You know, we're not, we're not going down, you no. know, in Swansea, you know. You told uh, me off so badly yesterday when I said, well, you know, I think we're safe from relegation. You said, you can't, that's, that's dangerous talk, that. I'm not going to get blasé about it because anything's possible. Yeah. It's a crazy season. Yeah. It's a crazy season when Arsenal can even think about winning the league, you know what I mean? But it's, it, you know, anything's possible. But, uh, and I certainly don't subscribe to the too-good-to-go-down thing at all, you know, but I do think we probably, we've got enough, we've got enough in our locker yeah. um, and enough firepower and enough experience, and I think that's the key, enough recent experience to, you know, to get through this. But I think we'll end up probably seventh or eighth. I think that's probably 
where we'll end up. Outside Europa League. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah hopefully. What well, do you think, Al? Are you, well, has I the think, relegation thing ever crossed your mind? Uh, well, a lot of people have reminded me about the possibility of relegation. Um, it's not something I've dwelled upon, but you look at the way that we've been playing recently and going to the game on Saturday uh, against Everton, you know, first half was pretty abysmal. Second half, you know, we showed some kind of semblance of fight back and you wondered why we couldn't show that in the first half. Mm. So, you know, you look at the performance against Palace, that was a good performance. Scunthorpe, okay. West Brom, it was good and bad, but I'm just glad that we got a draw out of it. Well, listen, we, but if we carry on in that vein, yeah. we'll get spanked against Arsenal and, and we can't afford to keep losing points. We've got to build up some kind of momentum and some kind of uh, consistency. Yeah. Well, we, I, I agree we, with that. I would say this, that we are now six games unbeaten in all competitions under hitting uh, after the Everton game. Three of those were draws. So the Watford, Man United and Everton games were all draws. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's uh, I think the fact that there is a momentum of unbeaten uh, games there is a good and thing. And uh, and West Brom, yeah. Um, and I think that the, uh, you know, the fact that Costa's now scoring goals, you know, five in five under hitting. You know, we had four in 21 before that. Something's changed. There's, there, yeah, there's there a definite, there's a balance in the team now that wasn't there before. Yeah. There's a desire, there's a freedom in the team that there wasn't there before. I think people can say what they want, but the players do seem to have a weight off their shoulders. They don't seem as scared as they were before to make mistakes. Yeah. I, I think there are positive signs there. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've got the right personnel in the team. I think there are changes that need to be made. We know that we need changes at fullback, certainly in the yeah. right-hand fullback. Um, we, we certainly need changes in, in the holding midfield role. We probably need competition for Costa and we probably need another attacking goal scoring midfielder because you know we relied very heavily on Hazard's goals last year and he hasn't put hasn't scored no. them this year and we're relying on William who isn't a natural goal scorer so okay the, I think the the two main things I would I would really agree with defensively right back is a shocker at the moment um, and I can't it seems to me that both Mourinho and Hiddink do not know what to do with it because the obvious answer is to move as Piliqueta to right back and then start thinking about left back. Obviously, something is not right about Baba Rahman. We've seen him. He looks naive. He does not look an £18 million pound player. He doesn't look like the kind of player that smashed the Bundesliga last year, by all accounts. No, that's mm. right. You know, so it, it, and obviously, as Mourinho pointed out at the time, when everyone was calling, you've got to get Rahman in, Ivanovic has got to go. He finally acquiesced and he brought Rahman into the side. And then he had a, an okay time and he can cross the ball, but he can't defend particularly. And he said, there you see, he's young, he's got a lot to learn, he's not ready yet. And this is the problem we don't have. We, when you really look at it, we've got such a thin squad. We have got a thin squad. I noticed that in the Everton programme on Saturday, I don't know if you saw it. The Everton squad, had, they had seven more players than us. If yeah. you look at the back of the programme, seven more players than us. And of our players, we have people like Ole Aina in there and Jamal Blackman. That and, you know aren't even in the ground, yeah, let alone not even on the bench. Get there. So, you yeah. know, we have got a thin squad. Now, it's laughable to turn around and say for the half a billion pound squad that we've got that it's a thin squad. But when you get beyond, you know, William, Pedro, Hazard and Oscar... You know, you're then into, you know, Kennedy. Uh, you know, you're, you're not, there's not a huge no, amount of you're depth into there. The second when you, level. Now, Costa's injured... You know, when Costa and Remy were injured and Falcao were injured, you're looking at, and Hazard's injured, you're looking at playing, like, you know, William on his own off It's ridiculous. Well, well, you know, it's interesting because you, you weren't on the podcast the, the week that we, we, did, we had the game with Man U. And that I said then that actually that 
game, if we'd have had a striker of any sort of standard who was a striker, we would have won that game. Yeah. But we really couldn't... It was a shame because actually we could have kicked on from that. Yeah. And this is the real problem. And this is something that's really concerning me at the moment is... It's so quiet in the transfer market. And it's been open, what, two or three weeks now? Yeah, well, we're linked with everybody, Kerry. Yeah, but That's why does case, it though, always it? have to come down to the wire? Because and nobody, do you think we'll buy anyone? Because I think we will buy. I, I, I don't think anybody's going to want to let their players go during an active... As, uh, you know, want to hold on to them as long as they possibly mm. can. So, you know, if the window's open until the 30th, we'll point. sell them on the 30th. Yeah, got you. Um, the, other thing, the other thing is, of course, this whole Real Madrid-Barcelona scenario. Um, mm. Real Madrid-Atletico Real Madrid, Madrid uh, scenario with the a potential two-window transfer ban, which could create a domino effect for a lot of people. Now, if they're not going to sell their players because they think they can't buy any players for the next two windows, you know, Tony Cruz coming to Chelsea, uh, Isco going to Arsenal, they're not going to happen. You know, Griezmann, all these players. So... If they're not going to happen, that creates a domino effect for lots of other clubs. But what it also means is players like, uh, managers like Simeone going, if there's a two-window transfer ban, do I want to stay here? Or does that make it more attractive for him to move yeah. to somewhere like us? So there's all sorts of ramifications in those two things. But ultimately, it comes down to if there's 30 days in a transfer window, let's sell them on the 30th day yeah. so that we hold on to yeah. them for the rest of the time. No, I think, um, I think it will happen. We have to. By all accounts, the Teixeira deal's done. Who's the you know the attacking midfielder um, from Shakhtar yep. Donetsk who's, who's scored a hatful of goals this year in a frankly rubbish league? But you know who knows. But as you um, said, so did Matija Kesman. Well, so did Kesman, so did Kalu, you know, um, and and various others. It has to be said. Yeah. So, we're, but he, you know, he looks good on YouTube. But as I've always said, I look pretty good on YouTube. Um, and then you know there are other players linked with this. You know, uh, you know, there's clear. What do we think of John Stones? I thought he was distinctly average. On <laughs> I thought he was bang average. I thought. I thought. Hold on. Okay, he's playing it right back and he's well, not really right back. He didn't play right back for the whole game. No, but, you know, yeah, I, I, I couldn't see where there was I didn't 14 see million, let alone 40 or I 50 million. I didn't see 40 or 50 million quid out there. No. Yeah, I think it's um, maybe unfair to, to judge him on that performance. Well, I've seen him on a few No, because he, like he was like that against, who is it he gave the penalty? Oh, against Man City. Yeah. He had a bit of a dog of a night that night as well. I, I, yeah, I think he's probably a decent youngster, but... The idea that any English player who's under 23, who's wanted by other teams, is suddenly worth 40 or 50 well, million. Well, we're linked with Scott Dan from Crystal Palace, who's had an average, you know, he's had a very yeah. good season. But this is the thing, I think, it's but very worrying. when you're heading towards the championship. Well, I think that, you know, it's very worrying buying players just on one season's form. You know, I mean, everybody's looking at Vardy at the moment, you know. Yeah. I mean, the guy's 29, you know, yeah. he's, he's getting he's, on, yeah, you know. And Mares is probably a, a, a better shout, but again, you know, he's... Goal scoring record before this was pathetic. Yeah. Now I don't know whether that's because Ranieri is playing him in a different position or whatever. But buying players on form, on certainly on short term form, short-term I think term, yeah, is right. you know for overinflated January prices is not sensible. But we do need to freshen the squad up. Agents because... love that talk, though, don't they? Eh? Agents love yeah, that talk. Yeah, they do. But you know, we need possibly two strikers in this window. You know, is the truth. Because well, I don't. I mean, I, I look at Charlie Austin. I was just going to say four million say, quid. Four million quid. He's worth a punt, isn't he? Yeah, Unless yeah. he went. Look, I don't want to be third striker. I'm a Chelsea fan. I want to play. And and they're probably going. Well, you're not going to play, Charlie. Frankly, you're going to be Falcao. You know, you'll come on for the old game. Uh, Costa's going to play. And he probably went. If I go to Southampton, I'll be the main man. You know, yeah. and oh, that's probably what's happened there. But it's a shame because I think Charlie Austin as a backup striker would have done a job. Been brilliant. Well, let's face it, he probably would have had more games than the like rest Remy, of them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know, I mean, it's interesting, actually, that whole striker situation. You know, Remy is, is there on the bench every game, every game, every game. Someone gets injured, 
he has an injury and he can't play. You know, then Falcao, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, but Falcao, and I say it all the time at the moment, why is it that we, in all our loan deals, whether we get players in or get players out, never sort it so that we can either call people back in January or, if they're injured, give them back to their parent club? Because, you know, Monaco said, oh, we were going to get Falcao back, but we decided we didn't want him after all. The answer to that is, I don't know, and neither do you. And the problem is, is that the, the, those elements of the, the team's kind of um, technical department, you know, the sporting department, whatever you want to call them, are so shrouded in mystery that we don't know what the situation yeah. is. And so, for me, it's a massive distraction. And I just think Marina and... Michael Emanalo and all these people that are supposed to do these deals, presumably they know what they're doing because they're still in the job, or Abramovich is completely deluded and he's got idiots doing it. But we don't know. No. We don't it just know. seems odd that it seems know, odd. Christ, Christian Atsu gets injured at Bournemouth and they immediately make an announcement returning him to his parent club because he's well, maybe injured. Maybe when you, when you sign a, a, a so-called premier, premier player on loan, the only way you can do it is to do it on a season-long loan it might and be, a guaranteed yeah. loan. You can't do that. You know, with, and maybe with but, the answers it's different. I don't know. Yeah, if it was true. I mean, it's still, I'm afraid, at this stage of the season... Looks like Mourinho Sidwell for the 21st century. Looks like he's a Ben Tauhaim. <laughs> it was, I didn't know which one to use, but I thought Sidwell probably. Yeah, Ben Tauhaim. Was it Ben Tauhaim? Ben Haim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, or Claudio Pizarro. Well, at least Claudio Pizarro <laughs> scored a couple of goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. But and then, well, went, on to be bre- and then went, went on to be pretty good for Bayern Munich, you know. No, didn't we get him from Bayern? No, and then he went back to Bayern Munich and had a couple, few decent yeah, seasons, four yeah, or five did. decent seasons. He in fact, did. was only playing a couple of years ago. So, yeah. so it's funny, isn't it? How he, he was on the bench for the Champions League final, I think. Yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, go, going back to West Brom. What, refereeing. Well, okay, let's talk about the refereeing. I, I'm not one for normally caning the referees. I just think no. it's, you know, you swing them roundabouts, it happens. But I did think Anthony Taylor had a particularly poor game. And we all know about the Jakob uh, decision. You know, he should have been sent off. You know, that stuff happens. He got yanked off straight away by Pulis afterwards because he knew. I was more concerned he about... What? He got yanked off. Okay. Not pulled off. Yanked off. Technical term. Okay. Well, and um, he... Uh, you're so childish. What? You're sniggering like a schoolboy. I'm not sniggering, that's Alan. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I, th- I thought he was another player on our bench, yanked off. <laughs> no, we're in for him as oh, well. Oh, him, yeah, yeah, from Shakhtar. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I thought we got utterly pulist. I mean, I thought that, you know, that what, what happened was, you know, Tony Pulis did what he did. He slowed the game down. Yeah. He did all yeah. those niggly things. Oh, I'm going to put the ball down. I'm going to move it. I'm going to, no, he's going to take the throw and all that stuff. And what annoyed me more than the big decisions was, uh, Anthony Taylor getting sucked in by that and yes. not speeding the game up when he could have done. He could have booked the goalkeeper a lot quicker than he did. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that, Sort of delaying tactics. I don't blame Pulis for it. I think if you come to a player team like Chelsea, that's what you do. But I thought the referee managed it really badly, yeah. and and the niggly fouls, he giving niggly fouls. I thought it was a really, really poor performance. And I don't often say that. Yeah. And I sat there, and there was a lot of booing at the end. And I presume that was for the referee. Yeah, I, think so. I presume. Um, that was right, yeah. But you know, it was a uh, it, it was a the frustrating game on the refereeing thing. Um, do you think there's something to be said because it happens so much? All the time now. And you actually notice it when things aren't going your way, more than ever. When we were winning 1-0 or 2-0 and they weren't going to score, you didn't care when they were sort of just trying to wrap the game up and, yeah. and tie it up. But when every minute is critical for us yeah. to try and do something, do you think there's not something to be said for taking the leaf out of, what is it, rugby league, where you have a giant clock, anytime the ball goes out or there's an injury, the clock is stopped. God, we beat her all night, Kerry. 
Yeah, but the, yeah, but that's the point. Have you? I, I remember seeing the actual amount of time played in a ninety-minute game mm. is under an hour. Here's a little stat for you. Okay, but don't you that, think we his, should save no, that? No, I think it's a dumb idea. Um, because oh, because I think you, the game has to flow, and it's up to the referee uh, to to manage that. And the point being that the referee didn't manage it. If the referee had just gone, "You're booked. You're booked." If you keep um, you know doing it, then I'll send you off. And what was interesting is that both goalkeepers were booked in a Premier League game for the first time since Portsmouth versus Hull in 2010. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, it, it, I just thought it was really badly managed. And I think it's the referee's job not, not to stop the clock, but to keep the game flowing. And I don't think he kept the game flowing. And, and that's not mithering, and that's not sour grapes. That's just saying that wasn't an efficient management of the game by the referee. OK, but there, there is a point, say, with Everton... The yeah. Everton game, when they yeah. celebrated going 3-2 up yeah. and they celebrated for a minute and a half, two minutes or yeah. whatever, if that ball hits the net, the clock stopped, then it only starts again when the kickoff happens, Everton would have had nothing to argue about when they said, oh, you went over the seven oh, I minutes. I just think if you, keep, if, you, if you start introducing you know, more and more rules you know, as it crossed the line, as it, then mm. you, you actually take the spontaneity of the game out. Now, the fact well, they're that, killing the spontaneity by just But it's up to the referee to, to do that. And the, referee the, did, the referee did the right thing. You know, the referee on that occasion did the right thing. We'll come on and talk about Everton. The referee said there was a minute and a half yeah. over the seven minutes allotted. Yeah. Which bit of... Minimum of seven minutes, don't you understand, Martinez? I agree. Which I agree. bit of it don't yeah, you understand? Yeah. What are you complaining about? It's yeah. a minimum of yeah. seven minutes. Now, the fact that it was eight minutes is because your players over-celebrated. Apparently, Gus Hiddink did say to the fourth official, I hope you're going to do something about that yeah, when quite they were right. celebrating the corner. And they did. Yeah. No, I mean... I, I, and we I, did get a lucky break there because that goal was... No, minor. We'll come on. I suppose we'll come on and talk about that. We will. I mean, but, I mean but, the fact is... But there's been some awful refereeing all round over the last... Over a lot of this season, there's been some dreadful decisions. You know, that guy who had his first game in the Premiership the other day where he sent off... Um, who was it? The guy for kicking the football. Um, yeah. You know, so... Well, look, I, you know, again, I think that's all part and parcel of the game. I don't normally cane the referees. No, I mean, neither do I. It's but... a job I've done at kind of amateur and youth level. It's very difficult. You know, it's a difficult job. I have respect for anybody that's, that's done it. Um, and I just think that you get as many bad decisions, you get as good decisions. Yeah, you know, and Martinez, of all people, in after, the, mi- in the midweek game against Manchester City, when Sterling was literally poleaxed in the box and they didn't get a penalty, Manchester City, to have the nerve yeah. to turn around and moan about decisions, yeah, exactly. I just find it, I yeah. find it, you know, brass it balls of the man. Really. It evens itself out, doesn't yeah. it? Of course it does. Yeah. Well, it does. Well, I mean, what is more concerning is that we haven't recorded back to back victories in the league this season. You know, yeah. we haven't done that. And the West Brom. Well, game and the Everton game were opportunities to do that and we haven't done it you know we have as I've already mentioned dropped the most points from winning positions um, you know and it's it's just putting the game to bed it's become a real issue yeah it's well look we know that our side is not right but are we you know okay West Brom was a tough one to take because I think we all thought we'd win that um, well, uh, we, uh, let me just give you this. Chelsea unbeaten against West Brom at home in 15 games in all competitions. Their last one at the bridge was in 1983 yep. in the League Cup. Their last league win was in 1978. They'd previously lost 14 Premier League games against Chelsea more than any other opponent. And uh, only Newcastle scored fewer away goals than West Brom before the game. So, yeah, of course we think we're going to beat them. You know, so, you know, to, to put in a performance yeah. like that is interesting to say the least. Yeah, and we saw, we saw Kennedy. Um, 
You're not sure about him at the moment, I are you? think he's very young. Of course, I'm going to give him more time. I just think he's a bit headless. I think he's... Um, I don't know, like a lot of the creative players that we bring into our team, whether it's a Salah or a Quadrado, um, that type of player, they tend to be given an instruction to run with the ball. And then they pick the ball up and they run into trouble. Now, I don't know whether it, that... Yeah. And they come in at awkward times during the game, uh, when, when defences are set, when, when, when formations are set. I'm not going to cane the guy, but there's something about his style of play that, that, that lacks a certain amount of, of, of decision-making. Um, and I think he's a great impact player. He gets to the byline, he gets the ball over, he runs with the ball, he's got confidence. But I'd like to see him be a, a little bit more measured in what his decision-making is. That's all. That's my problem with it. I just uh, think a couple of times he just runs into people. What do you think of him? I it's thought exciting. He, yeah, I thought he was a, a bright spot in the West Brom game when he came off Pedro. I thought Pedro was, as he was in the Everton game, was giving the ball away far too easily for, for a guy that played in a, a passing team. Um, I know he's struggling to adapt to the Premier League. I know he's struggling to adapt to the English game. Um, for a guy that was able to pass the ball when he was in Barcelona, he can't seem to do that. So I was pleased when Kennedy came on, and he was a bright, you know, spot in that game for me. The I way think he performed. Kennedy uh, also. I do suffered, think, yeah. you know, he's a young guy. He needs to learn. I think that's probably Harry's performance is going to be limited to. He's coming on in, you know, as a substitute in a game, being an impact player. Whether he can do that consistently, and he breaks through into the, you know, the team. You know, it remains to be seen. I'm not quite sure what position he plays as well at the moment. We've played him at left full-back and the three at the back. We've played him at, you know, in midfield. We've played him on the wing. I presume he's an attacking midfielder, a wide attacking midfielder, yeah. you know, I mean, which is like fine. The rest of them. But, you know, he's, just, he's a bit like Loftus-Cheek in a way. So I'm not quite sure what his position is yet. And I don't well, think that the, the hierarchy do either. Well, I think the problem is the, the young kids. And the only way you really find out, because it, as, as you've said to me in the past, you know, it's very different when you're playing for the youth teams and what have you, as to when you step up, you might not be the same kind of player being able to do the same kind of things in the, in the, the top level. So they really ultimately need a few games so you start working out how that translates into the first team. Yeah. And I, 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 I have been surprised that Loftus-Cheek hasn't had a, a look in uh, this week against West Brom or Everton. <laughs> Even for a short time, but... He's trying to, trying to work out various, various combinations, yeah. isn't he? Here's a couple of more stats for you. Um, we had 14 shots, but only two on target. Yeah. <laughs> um, they had 13 shots and five on target. Uh, here's an interesting one as well. Five, we had 528 passes to their 317. We made 211 more passes than West Brom. And West Brom put in double the amount of crosses than we did. 31 to our 15, and twice as many of their crosses were successful. So, you know, I mean, you can analyse all of those stats and say they're all pointless, but there's something in that kind of overpassing, you know, maybe well, they were more direct, you know, maybe they created more opportunities through being direct, maybe we're, we're overplaying a little bit, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because these sort of stats have, as you've probably noticed, in the last few weeks have come under scrutiny and everyone's coming out, well, possession doesn't mean um, what it used to mean. 61% we had against yeah. West Brom. You know, but well, it's it, you know, what does it, as you say, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Well, presumably, you... sixty-one possession and five hundred twenty-eight passes to their three hundred seventeen meant we were pissing about with the ball a lot. It's, yes, it's exactly. probably you know, in, in technical but, terms, but, but that's it. Could why, look at why, why don't they have titting about? I why think don't they the have pissing term. about or titting <laughs> about on Opta? You know, yeah. there should be a box for it because we'd, we'd have it. You know, when but, when West Brom can create uh, five on-target shots from thirteen and put double the amount of crosses in, it does suggest that they're playing a more direct game than us. Yeah, you know, we 
which you know may or may not be significant. I don't. Well, know. you know, I mean, I, I think we should move on quickly because we don't have that much time. But we should move on to the Everton game. One change to the side that started the previous game to West Brom. Matic returned to the starting lineup in place of Oscar. So the team was Courtois, Ivanovic, Zuma, Terry, and Aspiliqueta. Matic and Mikel, who we already mentioned, paired in the midfield. Uh, William Fabregas uh, in the number ten role, and Pedro behind Costa. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was a it was an odd game because. For nearly an hour, we, we were, I don't know, lifeless, a bit Terrible. lethargic, not working it out. It was everything that had been wrong all season. We weren't closing people down. No. We, weren't, you know, we just weren't doing the things that we did all last season. No, then go 2-0 down and then have the most amazing period where we actually look like world beaters. Then Oviedo goes down injured, takes some momentum out of us, go 3-2 down, they waste time. And then in the 800th minute of the game, JT scores an offside goal. Um, well, it we, was talk about, we talk about our record against West Brom. Last time Everton came away from the bridge with a win was in November 1994. It's 21 games ago. Chelsea have won more games in all competitions against Everton than any other club. 68 games, also scored more goals against them than any other side. 270. However, Everton have lost only one of their 11 league games away this season. You know, so, you know, right, uh, whilst, you look, whilst you look at it historically and go, we've got a great record against this team, as we did against West Brom, you know, something is happening. I think you were talking about it earlier, about the fact that everybody is, has got a decent squad now. You know, we talked about the fact that Everton have got a bigger squad than us. Yeah. Um, and I thought they looked a really well-balanced team. I think they looked better than us for most of the game. I think, I think they certainly did. I thought it was interesting that we managed to put, pick Lukaku up and put him in our pocket. You know, I thought he would be a massive Did you threat. not see how JT, he was concentrating on him the whole game. There was no way he was going to let him get away from him. I mean, he stuck to him. I thought JT yeah. marshalled him fantastically. He really did. What they did have was a free player in Morales. Yeah, who, yeah, who yeah. Was he was brilliant. brilliant. I mean, there's brilliant. nothing you could do about that yeah. second goal. That second goal, apart from William losing the ball and, yeah. and, and Matic bottling it and but the cross was, coming it was, in. It was great. But it was the great turn and shot was yeah. supreme one of yeah. the best goals I've seen score at the bridge for, for a long long time Absolutely. and he had a kind of a free roll floating yeah. roll we couldn't pick him up we marshalled Lukaku extremely well um, but Morales just looked like he had you know I just... think any team would have struggled with the way he played on Saturday yeah but I mean he's very similar to the kinds of players we've got you know that I wish that aren't we could performing. see that aren't doing that, yeah. that we saw them no, do absolutely. those sort of things yeah. last year I mean I have to say the revival was really I, I suppose there were three main things for the revival. Um, the the uh, appearance of Oscar, I think he turned the I game. I thought he made a difference. Um, uh, well, he provided an outlet. Yeah, he, he provided did. an outlet that wasn't there. You know, people moan about Oscar. And I think, and, and I've said it so many times, and you know, we've had these arguments with Phil so many times. He's a he's a misunderstood player in his role, and I think that he comes on, he provides the outlet. His job is not to go and do spectacular pyrotechnic things. His job is to get the ball and play the simple ball. Now, occasionally he'll get the ball and play a stupid ball, yeah. but you know, his job is to get the ball and play a simple one. I thought he did that very effectively and provided that outlet and allowed other players to be creative. Yeah, and I think also then the next thing was taken off Matic who was a appalling. Shocking. Shocking. Um, but who pulled Fabregas, out the tackle. Absolutely. Who wouldn't yeah. have done that last no, season. Exactly. And just didn't keep and up and didn't track. You no, know, exactly. he, looked, he looked like he was blowing. Yeah. And then Fabregas dropping back alongside Mikel, it suddenly worked. And the third part of the jigsaw for me was Costa. I, I thought Costa was fabulous. Five in five, nine goals this season, seven in the league, 30 goals in 56 starts in Chelsea career. 30 goals in 56 starts and people think he's crap. Come yeah. on. Do you no, know what I mean? No, I mean that record but, is up there with anybody in the world. Absolutely. But the problem with Costa is when he's not playing well, 
he's not playing well no. so badly that it's so noticeable. But when you see how he's been under hitting, it's a different player. Yeah. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't have a particularly happy time under Mourinho. Now, I think there's lots of reasons for that, and we probably need a whole podcast to go into that. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, his record speaks for itself. He is an devastating player when he's on form and I think that it's really important that we support Costa and that we uh, create a, 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 a three player or however whatever system we're going to play around him because when he when he battered uh, the uh, Jagielka, Jagielka and, and Tim Howard for the goal that was vintage Costa put the yeah. ball over his head yeah. and let him run onto it and Superb. it was in, in within the law Superb, I know. And so, I think that's key to um, how the fans perceive uh, Costa is that I think that relationship between the fans and the players has been damaged for whatever reason. And I think that's one of the things that JT and some of those senior players are trying to get across to the the newer members of the squad to try and make them understand that you know we do need their support. And that was good that JT flagged that up at the end of the game on Saturday. Yeah. He said, you know, the crowd were phenomenal for us. They were. And it, and it was well, one of those things that Mourinho was on, always on about, you know, we need the crowd to get behind us. But we also need to have something to get behind. Yeah. Spot on. And I, I have to say, the, 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 when we equalised uh, for the two all, it was like phenomenal. that time when we... Champions League, scored, yeah, best Barcelona, of Barcelona, yeah. Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. And you're going, Hold on, this is Everton Premiership yeah. and we're fourteenth. But it was and you can understand why immense. people love to watch a Premier League. I on love TV. that game. I mean, I, I know it was only a draw. Yeah. I know it didn't advance our cause, but I love the game. I love the character, yeah. the spirit. I love the fact that it was never say it die. Wasn't I, the and most I felt of experiences sitting for it at the, yeah, the beginning, no. but towards the end, you actually look back and you go, "Wow, that was." So I took my twelve-year-old daughter. You know, it's been a lot. You know, she's been to a lot of games, and she sat there and she said, "She sort of summed it up really as only a twelve-year-old can do." She said, "I was crying." when uh, Fune Mores equalised and then I was crying with happiness when John Terry you know, equalised yeah. and it was like you know, that range of emotions yeah. was brilliant and yeah. that is why we watch football. football and you know, let's be honest we're, not gonna, we're probably not going to get fourth we're not gonna, certainly not going to win the league you know, we might as well enjoy the season yeah. and grab hold of little victories and little moments and exactly. get behind the team exactly. just and on I... the John Terry thing it is interesting he's the third player to score an own goal and a goal for his own team this season the Premier League do you know who the other two are? Uh, Jaggy Elka? no um, I don't know. Giroud and Dini have both done it as oh, well. Giroud, yeah, he's yeah. also his equaliser was the latest goal scored in the league this season. Yeah, and the latest Premier League goal since Yakubu scored for Blackburn against Wigan in November 2011. Oh, thank you, Andy. Good God, these are not my stats, by the way. These are Opta uh, Joe stats. Oh, I've got to give credit where credit oh, is due. Yeah, and well. isn't there a stat that Everton are one of the teams that have only sort of conceded in the 97th minute? They've done it previously this season. Well, against yeah. Bournemouth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. So you know, it, it was you know, I mean, I, I do feel sorry for all those poor scallies that came down and had their day ruined by not only a very very late goal but one that was offside. So yeah. we're really, 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 Ask really. Me if I care whether asked. it was offside, yeah. <laughs> Martinez is 250 games as a Premier League manager. He's lost on all his six previous trips to the bridge as an opposition manager. Good. Long may that continue, oh, though. Yeah. He's got a draw this time. So, yeah. Well, we've, we've got to get wrapping up. So we've got to be quickly looking forward to Arsenal because, of course. That... Because, of course, we still need five wins from 16 games to reach 40 points. <laughs> is that a safe? Yeah, but safety's much lower this year, they reckon. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Okay. But, you know, Arsenal, I mean, oh God, I, the one thing I hope, I hope it's not going to be like the Man U game where we have no striker and that Diego's out. It doesn't look good, 
bruised shins and notoriously difficult They've to get over. They've not been brilliant, Arsenal. You know, two draws in the last two games. You know, they we two nil nils. I think we've got in the last two games that we played at the Emirates. Um, you know, we know this is not going to be an expansive game of football. Um, I think that we'll go there with a mindset to play on the break. I think we're better when we play like that. I think when we. Um, you know, when we when we go to the Emirates, we'll raise our game. I haven't got. I'm not. I'm going to the game. I don't think. I'm not terrified by it. I don't think we're going to get battered. I'm not terrified I'm by not Arsenal confident. the same I used to be in the yeah. past. No, I'm yeah. not confident, but I'm not terrified <clears throat> by it. I think it's a draw. I think it's got draw written all over it. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think it's a it's a one nil win to us. Okay. <laughs> Can I just do the do, do, Dave? Do the kids? Go on and do the kids. Do the kids. Uh, under 18s didn't play this week. Their last, their next match is on Friday the 22nd of Jan against Man United in the FA Cup fourth round. Next under 21s game is not until Thursday the 28th of Jan when they play Tottenham in the Premier League International Cup at Stevenage. If you want to go along there, 7:05 p.m. kickoff. Uh, and I just wanted to flag up the fact that four Chelsea players have been picked for the England under-17 squad for the forthcoming Algarve tournament, which begins on the February the 5th nice against drop the hosts, Portugal. Uh, congratulations to goalkeeper Jared Thompson, defenders Trevor Chalaba and Dujon Sterling, and midfielder Mason Mount, who signed his first professional contract a couple of weeks ago. Uh, all four of those have actually represented England this season and were part of the under-16s England squad that won the Montaguo tournament in France last season with Chalaba as captain. So good to see that the youth are making an impact on the international stage. Age, I think, well, and also some good signings for the uh, for the Chelsea ladies. Been following that. Karen Carney signed from Birmingham, yep. 100 England caps, uh, and then we signed Becky Spencer, uh, also from Birmingham, midfielder Jay Bailey from Arsenal. So you know we've got some really interesting things happens in other areas of the club. I think. No, fantastic. Thank Brilliant. you, Andy. It's been great having you back. And so we should just do the official prediction for the Arsenal game, Alan. Uh, I think it'd be a two-two draw. Two-two draw. Mm. Blimey. 1-1 one, one draw. I'm going to go 1-0 to Chels. Are you? Yeah, I am. Okay, good, good. Let's hope you're right. Yes. Let's hope so. Well, okay, everyone. Well, that's it from us. It, this, this has been me, Kerry Levy, joined by Chef and Ziggy. Thanks ever so much. <laughs> uh, we'll see you all next week. Cheers. This is a Playback Media production served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network.